Hi everybody, welcome to episode, big episode number 60. We've got Charles Staley on here today. Charles is going to tell us a little bit about uh, his lifting, his crazy deadlift and chin-ups at 58 years of age and why it's really important for people to build strength and muscle into their 50s and beyond, uh, how he actually got into the best shape of his life at 50 onward. We have a little bit of a diatribe on gym etiquette. Uh, Charles and I are both a little passionate about that one. There's a great discussion about why 8 to 12 reps is still a sweet spot for building muscle mass despite being able to really effectively build muscle mass at any rep range. Uh, and a better discussion on the value of the tried and true basics and exercise selection for building muscle mass. Thanks. I hope you enjoy it. Shut up and sit down. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode, big episode number 60. We've got Charles Staley on here today. Charles is going to tell us a little bit about uh, his lifting, his crazy deadlift and chin-ups at 58 years of age and why it's really important for people to build strength and muscle into their 50s and beyond, uh, how he actually got into the best shape of his life at 50 onward. We have a little bit of a diatribe on gym etiquette. Uh, Charles and I are both a little passionate about that one. There's a great discussion about why 8 to 12 reps is still a sweet spot for building muscle mass despite being able to really effectively build muscle mass at any rep range. Uh, and a better discussion on the value of the tried and true basics and exercise selection for building muscle mass. Thanks. I hope you enjoy it. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Today, we've got Charles uh, Staley on here, and he may be the most experienced guest we've ever featured on the podcast. Uh, Charles has worked with clients for decades, uh, getting people stronger and healthier. Uh, he's written over a thousand articles about various different things in fitness, and he's long contributed to the expansion of training knowledge in our industry. So welcome, Charles. Hey, thanks so much. And uh, would you tell us a little bit about your background working in the industry? Yeah, uh, I you know I've 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 told this story before uh, at some point, so hopefully it's not redundant for people. But uh, in 1991, I was um, the weight room manager at the Dutchess County YMCA in Poughkeepsie, New York, and uh, this was like when Nautilus was like the big thing, and uh, so that was a big <laughs> part of this. But I was actually at the New York State uh, Weightlifting Championships, and Dr. Fred Hatfield. Um, was like kind of like the guest trophy presenter, for lack of a better term. And I had been reading, if you know Anthony Robbins, I had been reading mm -hmm. one of his books. I can't remember which one it was, but there was a chapter that was titled something along the lines of uh, how to get anything you want in life. And so the um, you turn the page and it says ask. And uh, then you turn to the second page and it said ask with more conviction. And then you go to the next page and it says ask somebody better. Uh, and, you know, that was just the whole theme of the chapter. And so I guess that was in my subconscious somehow. And I don't I wish I knew what I said to Fred, but um, I just went up to him and just said, hey, I'm looking for I'm looking for an opportunity. Here's, here's who I am. Here's what I do. He said, well, my partner and I, Dr. Sal Aria, um, we're, we're setting up this thing called the International Sports Sciences Association. And my partner's real busy and could use some help. Uh, do you want to go out there? And I'm like, sure. So, uh, <laughs> so six months later, I'm sitting in Santa Barbara, and uh, uh, you know, from that point of view, from from that position, I started meeting people like Dr. Paul Ward, Dr. Jim Wright uh, from Weeder, and then meeting all sorts of guys like Tom Platts, and mm. uh, obviously, you know, Fred Hatfield was around and all that. So that got me into muscle and fitness, and just put me put me in an environment where I could kind of, I think, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, well, just, just sort of take advantage of, of the skills that I had. And so for anybody who enjoys my work, you should uh, posthumously thank Dr. Fred Hatfield because uh, <laughs> he kind of gave me my start. So that's kind of how that all happened. Oh, wow. And then, so what is it, 91? So how many years later is that? We're at 2018. I'm terrible at this math. 20, yeah, I, so I was three, or I, was, I was four years old. You were four years Man. old. You, Andrew was, you were, you were I was old. 13. You were 13. He was, was actually probably right in the thick of trying to learn this stuff. 
Mm, no, just starting. I think I have my first weeder bench that my dad bought from yeah. weights in the basement, mostly bench pressing and curls and that sort of Is stuff. Is weeder so. still around? Uh, like in terms of like the company, because I, I had a set. It's, it's around. It was bought out by another company, but Muscle and Fitness is still out there. And, yeah. Um, yeah. They folded Flex Magazine. That's gone, which is a shame because I didn't mind it. It was entertaining. Yep, for sure. I think a few of our guests had their start with Flex Magazine. Was it Flex? Yeah. I think we've had a few people who've actually written for that. Yeah. Um, one of the things that, one of the really cool things about you, if anyone has been, you know, seeing your social media is you show off a lot of really impressive lifting and you're 58 years old. We're talking about some pretty crazy, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, deadlift numbers for reps, uh, crazy oh, chin-ups, thanks. weighted chin-ups. Like you watch this stuff and it's, it's really impressive. It's obviously a critical aspect of your brand and image. So let's actually take it here. Why is it important for people to build strength and muscle into their 50s and beyond? Yeah, well, one reason that, that gets overlooked is it's just kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'll, I'll come back to that maybe if you'd like. But um, yeah. man, I mean, I just think that's that's where you are going to lose ground as you get older. I mean, that's, um, you know, you, you can pretty much determine somebody's biological age um, by, you know, how strong they are, how much muscle they carry. I mean, I mean, your 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 muscle mass is probably the the most critical difference between you at age 58 and you at age 18, if you think about it. And uh, so it's be, it's because those adaptations become more and more of a struggle as you get older. I think you've got to, you know, you've got to, to work on those things. And 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 strength strength for 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 experienced lifters is kind of a proxy for body composition. So you know, when you're a beginner you can get stronger just by becoming just by improving your skills but once your skills are stabilized your strength levels are pretty much what tell you you know what's happening with your muscle mass so if if you're maintaining your strength on key exercises uh then you're maintaining your muscle mass and better yet if you're improving your strength um you're probably increasing muscle mass so i tend to use strength as a proxy for for body composition and especially like one reason I like pull-ups so much is because uh, that kind of encourages better body composition. But the lighter and leaner you are, um, and especially the leaner you are, of course, the better you'll do at that lift. So, so especially for like I train a lot of older women here in Scottsdale, Arizona, and uh, I really encourage pull-ups a, a lot because it sort of synchronizes with fat loss goals, I think. I love that. I try to do a lot of pull-ups and chin-ups with um, virtually all of the clients I work with, but and especially with women. I find women, you know, guys love being able to do it for sure, but I think there's something incredibly empowering about getting women to do things like pull-ups. And they, you get them there and they just, they light right up. They feel incredible about it. And it's something that will keep them coming back into the gym and keep pursuing their other fitness goals as well. Yeah, super empowering. And one of my clients the other day was telling me, she goes, I'll, I'll never forget the first time I got up over that chin-up bar and like the whole view was different from up there. <laughs> it was just something I had never, you know, as a guy, you can do pull-ups probably since you're young. So you, you lose touch with that kind of perspective. But I thought I thought that was pretty funny. It's just weird. Yeah, because like I don't remember not being able to do one, but it was just because like that's what you do. Like you just do your sit-ups, your push-ups, and your chin-ups. and I don't know. It's just... That's the activities that you just fucking do. Well, I remember being 24 years of age when I got really, really serious about consistency within the gym and using the assisted pull-up machine to be able to do them before I could. And it didn't oh. take too long. But yeah, I was doing assisted chin-ups and assisted dips as part of my workouts. So I, I do remember those days. I remember yeah. Mine was like a sleepover. <laughs> it was like, you know, when you're like a little kid, we were having like a sleepover and like, oh, can you do a chin up? And like, you like, we all tested to see if we could. And some people couldn't. And I, I did one. I don't even remember. I was not particularly good at them or anything else for that matter throughout like my 20s and stuff. So <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know when I first got there or when I first started getting serious about it. But uh, but I think it's worthwhile. I mean, I you know, um, one thing that's nice about certain lifts and you see me doing a lot of heavy deadlifts and a lot of heavy pull-ups. And uh, one thing is that those lifts kind of say a lot about you. So if, if somebody calls me up and says, like, let's say a woman calls me up and says, hey, Charles, I want to come train with you. And here's a little bit about my background. And I can squat X amount. Um, I don't really know what that means. I mean, 
to say that you can squat a certain amount of weight could mean all sorts of things. But if a woman calls me up and says, hey, I'm, I'm 44 and I can do 10 pull-ups, um, now I have a little bit of insight yeah. about that person, both in terms of body composition, work ethic. You know, Now, maybe she's doing bad form, whatever, but um, it still kind of zeroes me in a little bit in terms of what's going on, I think. So and the same thing goes for deadlifts. So I think they're just kind of key markers of, of, of your status. Well, even if you did a shitty pull-up or chin-up, like that's still you still yeah it get still up gives you a ish. sense they're probably not like doing like an inch pull up like usually they'll go like close to their chin near the bar and that's still like a right. good feat regardless. the only possible bastardization is you get someone do, who are just doing kipping ones but even but then usually like, they don't but, misrepresent but even then them. if they did ten and they were like fifty you'd be like well they're like they're pretty strong yeah. like, even a yeah. kipping pull <laughs> yeah. yeah I agree I agree this so, kind of goes uh, yeah. I was gonna say this even goes back to what was the article was it last week. Or two weeks ago, the article about like things you shouldn't do over fifty, you kind of basically just say fuck. All yeah, that. boy, that thing really, that thing really spread like wildfire, and I, it's kind of like a clickbait thing for strength yeah. coaches, I guess, because um, every coach I know just went right onto that thing, <clears throat> and uh, um, I, I just don't even know. Um, well, that's like attacking your brand. <laughs> it's like basically you should, which, you should be which dead I'm happy, right now. I'm happy to have my brand attacked. I'm happy to defend my positions, and. That's the only way you get better is to have your positions critiqued and questioned and you should be able to defend your position yeah. and you should be able to articulate the opposing position better than your opponent can. So that's like a key rule of critical thinking. That sounds let's, like something from the art of war. Let's actually just let's just answer the that article because we did allude to it in our last podcast. Oh yeah, we didn't even Mike talk. and James Hoffman, uh, Mike Isertel, where we we jumped on the fact that the industry tends to jump on these things. But at least let's actually address it because a lot of people are exposed to it. What are the you know what are the inherent flaws with the logic of unilaterally saying to everybody, "Hey, you shouldn't do this past a certain age." Well, I think you know that, that's a great question. I think the first flaw is is the assumption that age is the only factor that influences what you should do for training. Yeah. That that's, and that was my big cr criticism of the article we were just talking about, you know, age is a factor and you know, I hate, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking from the position, like I'm an old guy now. So like, you know, this is near and dear to me, but you know, age is a factor, but I, I hate the, uh, you know, the old saying like age is just a number. No, it's not just a number. If it was just a number, you wouldn't say that. Like, it is important. It's an important factor. But there's a lot of other factors, including your orthopedic status and your stress levels and your 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 level of knowledge and, you know, your your, your motivational levels and, you know, just your, your nutrition. And, you know, there's just all sorts of things that feed into the end result. Age is one of those factors. Um, but you know, you just have to look at everything kind of conglomerated. So, uh, to, to just to, you know, and the, the other, the other issue of course, is there's a dramatic difference between, um, a well-trained person who might be 58 and somebody who's a beginner, They're like totally, totally different scenario. Actually makes a ton of sense too. Um, <clears throat> yeah, especially if someone is used to doing those movement patterns, you know, you've been doing this stuff for a very, very long time. And I think if you maintain these abilities, then, um, uh, you don't really encounter a lot of problems. Like I'm 40. So, I mean, I, I'm, you know, fairly advanced lifter. I've been doing this with great consistency for about 16 years. And I squat one to two times a week and I'll usually put 400 pounds on my back. And I've got a very deep squat. I have great hip mobility despite being a tall lifter at about six foot two. You got weird hips. Uh, it's, it's strange, but, uh, and I'll also... <laughs> no, like it's actually weird. Like, have you seen him? Like he can squat like his ass to the grass and it like not be like a challenge. Like, and it's not a depth. Yeah thing like you're trying to he just goes there it's fucking it's, it's, stupid. it's the way i feel most comfortable moving naturally <laughs> and i'll also do uh pull up every once in a while my shoulder will give me some grief on well unrelated almost but um twice a week i'll do pull-ups for sets and <clears throat> i'm also not light but i've maintained these two abilities and i'm very very strict with my form and i've never encountered any issues directly by doing either and I think maintaining well, those are two skills point. that you'd want as you're older, like basically get up off the ground and be able to stand up. Like if you totally fall, that's like, I think, isn't that like the, the biggest cause of injury past like seven is like falling down. Seriously. Funny enough, like I was a couple of weeks ago, I was in a, going into a Safeway and it was raining outside and I had a pair of like slides on like flip flops. Yeah. 
And I knew I'm like, I even told myself, I'm like, okay, I've got to watch the floor here because like a slip linoleum floor. And I'm like, sure enough, I go down. And, uh, <laughs> now, I, I was fine. Like, I was like up in a heartbeat, like, and just looked around to make sure nobody saw. But that was not as minor an event as it was when I was like 18. Yeah. Um, like, 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 it was not a big deal, but it kind of made me think for the rest of the day a little bit. I'm like, wow, that kind of like, that kind of shocked me a little bit. And uh, I was fine. I worked out a couple hours later. But, um, you know, it, it was more of an event than the last time I had fallen, which was probably 20 years ago. Um, so, yeah, it makes you think a little bit. And you're, you're kind of skirting on an issue that, that's kind of interesting, that as you get older, your ability to navigate the floor becomes more difficult. And that's one of the things I work with with my older clients. Absolutely, though. Like, that's, that's pretty – like, that could be a very – big cause for concern as you're older. And it's not just like, it, it just, it's just a fact. Like if something, you can't get up, you're fucked. Something else that goes back to my original question about the benefits of lifting weight and staying strong as we get older uh, is the maintenance of bone mineral density, which is Absolutely. a big thing for resisting injuries, especially things like falls. Um, if it, This matters even more to women than it does to men because we know that you know women tend to be yeah. a more prone to osteoporosis, osteoarthritis. Uh, but maintaining lean muscle mass strength training, resistance training is going to have a very powerful effect on maintaining bone mineral density. So that alone, and that's one of the reasons why such unilateral articles just say, oh, this is all bad for people. They're actually quite irresponsible. And hopefully for the most part, people just realize the type of listeners who listen to this know this is bullshit. But the people around you, your family and your life might start to buy into this stuff. So it's good to have those conversations. I would say it's more common than not with more people that aren't in the fitness industry like that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let's 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 go on here to like. So we're talking about like being in shape after fifty. So you actually got in the best shape of your life at fifty plus. So I mean, that's when it all started. So why was it a challenge before that point? And what would you say about the challenge for fitness professionals to get into and maintain elite shape? Well, for me, the challenge was not so much that I was so busy training clients because. Although I do train clients, I also do a lot of writing. I make my income through a variety of venues. So um, I am appreciative of the typical thing where you're training clients 35 hours a week. And the last place you want to be is the gym. If, if you, know, <laughs> you don't want to be. But for, like, for me, like, I had kind of a, um, I guess when I was 50, I had kind of a paradigm shift. And it, it kind of really woke me up a little bit. And it was just, I, I made the shift from, you know, prior to age 50, the concept I carried around kind of subconsciously, and I think most people do this, is the idea that if I can, the, the, the answer from the, the, the way for me to get from A to Z is to find the optimal training program, um, to find the optimal exercises, to find the optimal diet, because if I can just find the optimal methods, like I'm golden. And my current paradigm is uh what needs to be optimal is my work ethic and my discipline um and you can make a very very bullet i can make a bulletproof argument to you that you're better off working really hard and consistently on a bad method than working half-assed on a perfect method so, I mean, if you think about training, if you have like the best coach on the planet, let, let's say you have the best program um, imaginable, you know, the frequency and volume is ideal, the progression strategy is ideal. If you don't put in the effort, it's going to do nothing for you. If you had a sketchy program, I, I, I'm just going to use this as an example. Not that this is sketchy, but remember the old like the Bill Phillips Body for Life program? The, it sounds familiar. I, I'm not directly familiar. It's just like a basic pyramid, like just as vanilla, you know, as you can just imagine, just super basic, nothing imaginative, you know. But if you worked your ass off on that, you're going to make progress. So, and, and the same kind of goes for nutrition, you know, in terms of fat loss. I mean, if you apply yourself with discipline to almost any diet, I mean, assuming that, you know, assuming that your your calories are where they should be, you'll be fine. So, so the paradigm shift I made at age fifty was like, all right, I, I already know enough. That the problem is not that I don't know enough. The problem is I'm not working hard enough. 
And uh, when that happened, things started that when 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 that kind of took place, things started happening for me. And uh, it, unfortunately, it took me <laughs> many years to kind of get to that place. But at least I got there. So if you're 20 years old listening to this right now, there's your secret. <laughs> well, I like that you mentioned pyramids because uh, pyramids show up in a number of different uh, resources that we have in our industry. It'd be great if we had these things 20, 30 years ago, but um, the Renaissance periodization pyramids always do this uh, muscle and strength pyramids, 3DMJ, Eric Helms work. They yeah. always put the big rocks at the bottom, the really big, big stuff. And that's what you're saying is you prioritize the big things. You get training consistency in there. You get the right amount of calories. You get your protein. You get enough sleep. There's a few other things that are obviously really critical. And then, you know, things like supplements, especially, you know, shit that largely has been more refuted, like BCAAs. Sure. So don't even worry sure. about that kind of shit. You get these kids going in and spending their paychecks in, in uh, supplement stores. And protein powder and creatine monohydrate are legitimate <laughs> things. But there's a ton of stuff in there that does literally nothing. Or they were going yeah, to and it's not likely to be your weakest link. So no. one of the things that I like to do is I like to sort of inventory all the factors that go into the result I'm looking for, training-wise. And then I will kind of prioritize them. Yeah. So going back to the factors I just mentioned, you know, uh, consistency, work ethic, uh, program design, um, you know, whatever, environment, nutrition, uh, uh, orthopedic status. And then I try to rank those items from 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 strongest to weakest and then when i do that for myself personally it tends to be consistency and work ethic yeah is where where i can make the most improvement well and that goes and, um, yeah I, I no, gonna, go ahead I'm i was going to say that goes back to like hard work like some people have and i think i've wrote about this before but the hard work for most some people is like the consistency and just doing it some people can go smash the weights, but then they don't do it consistently enough. So I guess yeah. ranking it just puts together, I guess, your list of what you need to work harder at. Yeah, and, and you know, there are people who have almost the opposite problem. They smash yeah. it hard, like too much, too often, too yeah. hard, mm -hmm. too too reckless, and you need to be slowed down. You need to be protected from yourself. So uh, I, I think that's kind of admirable on a certain level. <laughs> but And I wish it was me, but it's not me. And funny enough, like, that mistake I made over the years, which was just not focusing hard enough on work ethic, um, is probably has a lot to do with why I'm healthy orthopedically. Yeah. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. It's not entirely negative. That makes a ton of sense. It's we talk about this sort of stuff. Well, and I'm you a orthopedic mess. Yeah, you are. We <laughs> like, uh, get images of. I actually said this to someone recently. I don't think I said it in the end on the air. But you see images of Dwayne Johnson. Actually, I think I did. And how, what a maniac he is for training. He's yeah. short on sleep and he's just one of these like relentless, crazy yeah. workers. But then recently he put up a post talking about all the injuries he's had over the years. And I think a lot of that stuff comes out of wrestling for sure in football. Probably. But I'm glad at least there's a full picture because you get these kids emulating the, the sheer lunacy of oh, what yeah. he's doing. And if you're not careful, especially if you're a beginner, you're going to get hurt doing that kind of shit. Powerlifting is a perfect example. It's just like... Most people go to that limit, and like, there's just a, a a row of dead bodies and broken bones and hurt ligaments. And like I'm a perfect example after football and powerlifting. It's just like you can go too hard, and I'm almost doing the opposite. The hard thing for me to do isn't to work hard; <laughs> it's to calm down and not do as much. Yeah, I think of, that kind of self awareness is really, really important. And um, you know, and like it, it's not the most comforting thing to make the realization that. Shit, I've been training like a pussy, you know, just, <laughs> it's not been, it's just a hard thing to own up to. But I think once you get past that, you know, then things start to happen. And again, like it's a double-edged sword. I mean, I, I can, you know, I can deadlift four, 405 pounds for 10 reps at a body weight of 190 at age 58. Yeah. And that sounds impressive. But um, had I worked harder, uh, maybe I would have reached significantly bigger numbers but then i'd be busted up as well so you, you know. the ability to hurt you're, you could be strong enough to hurt yourself <laughs> exactly <laughs> like, that's exactly and i use that reference all the time like, I, I use it too it's just like there's a certain point where like yeah you can get strong and you can be stupid but you can be stupid and weak and not have the ability to really fuck yourself up it's it's the yeah. ones who like do it consistently <laughs> no like, i think you're totally right about that i um you're pushing it though. You're you're close. 
Four fifty-five, and I bet like that you could you could do some damage. I wanted to get Charles going on this one because you write a lot of posts about gym etiquette, so I can tell this is sort of shit sets you on fire. Uh, I I've worked in commercial gyms. I spend I, I still like working out in a commercial gym, even though I work at a place that's more of an athletic uh, facility. Uh, more I don't want to call it a hardcore gym. It, it's definitely not the typical commercial gym. Uh, we know that those kind of environments are rampant with etiquette fails. Uh, what would you say to people about gym etiquette? Uh, what's the stuff that matters? Maybe what's some of the stuff that's changed over time? And why is this shit still a problem? Yeah, I don't know. I think like I think people have this attitude that like, okay, I'm paying my dues, so um, you know, this place is at my beck and call, and I can just leave my shit all over the place. Huh? But you know, and you can, I guess, but. You know, it's just, I, I think, I think it's almost, it's almost working too hard to call it gym etiquette. It's just etiquette. It's just basic yeah. manners. And, um, you know, funny enough, like here's another double-edged sword kind of thing. Like there's a personality trait. Do you guys follow Jordan Peterson or do yep. you know who he is? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so he's definitely a contentious figure in some quarters of our industry. I like Jordan. <laughs> it's funny because certain people post about him and he actually became very popular in our fitness industry. And there's a handful of people and they're very, very ideologically left leaning who just start freaking the fuck Fucking out and they get really, really angry and irate about it. But the problem is they've actually never paused to see what he's saying. And yeah. he's, he's actually, more, he's pretty much a classic liberal. He's just, he also happens to hit a few points at the, like the alt right love and then so they characterize this guy as the fucking devil but no he's actually says a lot of generally good things yeah it, go it, it, it amazes me that people are so polarized by him like um I, I don't even understand but anyway he talks a lot about a personality trait called agreeableness mm. yeah and so ag agreeableness is when you really care about people's feelings and you don't like conflict with people and so you tend to excessively put other people's needs in front of your own. You'll, you'll actually take a hit just to avoid a conflict with somebody. So if you've ever found yourself doing that, you're probably high in agreeableness. Funny enough, people who, the people who are the most aggressive in the gym and, and in terms of training tend to be low on agreeableness. Mm -hmm. And so that tends to lead to like not picking up after yourself. I'm not saying one causes the other, but they're kind of, correlated together a little bit i'd say so so i care about like 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 personally i'm high in agreeableness which one of the pros hang on a second there charles you're coming in a little spotty if, if i'm in the gym doing something now we got you. i'm actually i'm actually looking around just to make sure i'm not in somebody's way because i don't want to irritate anybody because i like people to like me yeah. um However, maybe I should just be focusing on getting a good hard set and not giving a fuck about what other people think. So, you know, so I'm just saying, like, if, if you recognize that in yourself and you, you know, you think you might be low in agreeableness, I mean, you're probably somebody who needs to kind of think about gym etiquette a little bit more, maybe. Um, yeah, they should so. have a scale on that. Like, I'm probably in the middle. I'm good. I'm, like, really agreeable till I'm, like, in on my equipment. And then I'm good. Like, don't bother me when I'm in my set. Despite being kind of, you know, kind-hearted and empathetic to people and training especially, whatever, I actually would be quite low on agreeableness, but uh, it doesn't manifest in... Uh, anyone who knows me quite well would be like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's really not agreeable. <laughs> Andrew could write a bunch of articles on this alone. Like, if you go scroll through his Facebook feed, maybe, like, just every periodically you have... What, what did you used to do? He used to, he used to go to, like, public gyms at, like, 10... And then write a post about the shit you see in it. It's oh, just, commercial gym, <laughs> but it's commercial gym adventures. But it's hilarious. Like it, it's all the stuff that we know to be true. <laughs> and when you say, yeah. Like, "Yeah, I remember that," just because I'm not in there anymore. Yeah, no, I actually get a great kick out of being in gyms. There's some stuff that's actually quite funny to watch. You get some somebody who like really. Maybe they don't know any. Actually, the people who should know better are the ones that I'll, I'll have a little bit of fun with. I'll never pick on someone new. Like that's evil. No, yeah. fuck off and never but bother like, someone who's trying. There's like there's like things that are funny though. Yeah, you get some jackass who's like half repping like 
dumbbells that are 40 pounds too heavy for him. He's got no legs. And then at the top of rep, he just launches them sideways after grunting and they crash and roll on the ground. Right. And you look down and the gym, like the, the two gyms that I've spent the most time commercial gyms, there's this area in the heavy dumbbells where the floor is all fucked up because these idiots keep dropping dumbbells. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah. these people, and they exist and it, this shit drives me nuts. Uh, you know, you should know better. Like here's a great example. And, and this is, I wonder if I should use this guy's name. I guess, I guess I will. So you guys follow UFC? Yep. Yep. So then you know who John Jones is. Oh, yep. yeah. So last John year Jones. or a year ago or whatever, he was working with like some powerlifting coach or, or yeah, yeah. like a strength coach who was influenced by powerlifting in any event. So he posted a video on his Instagram page um, where he's doing block, not block pulls, but like rack pulls, right? Yeah. So the bar is elevated like six inches. But then he's he's standing on a six inch block, <laughs> so <laughs> it just totally negates like this. Just like what? It's just exactly the same as doing it from the floor. Like so, so those are the things that just kind of mystify me. You, to me, you don't have to know anything about training to see how ridiculous that is. I mean, it's just you, it's just plain observation. You, so. you made me think of one of my so, biggest pet peeves. Um, this one drives me fucking nuts. You get bikini girls because they're the only ones who do this shit, and they'll grab two benches. And they'll grab a dumbbell yeah. and they're doing that dumbbell sumo squat. Now, sometimes they're actually squatting low enough that they need the clearance. But most of the time, they don't need the clearance. But they got to prop themselves up on two benches. They're hogging two yeah. benches. Just tell just tell me why you're doing that. That's all I want to know. Like, give yeah, me a good so, reason why. So when, I, when I see that, I think about my 55-year-old female clients who are doing deep back squats with 135 pounds. So why would you, you, know, why would you use a 40-pound dumbbell? If you're a young woman and theoretically you're in shape, it's just there's just better. You know, our resources are not unlimited. This is like something I think about a lot. Like you always have to make choices. You can't do everything. You know, it would be nice if you could just train every single muscle to optimal levels and do it. You know, every month. Fred Hatfield used to always have this schema where like, you know, he recognized the different recovery curves with different exercises. So he had this like ABC training system where you would just train every exercise or every muscle based on its recovery level. So every workout of the week would be totally different. You know, it'd be nice if you could do that, but you can't do everything. You've got to make choices. So faced between doing, when I see somebody doing a sumo dumbbell, whatever that is, squat thing between two benches, um, why wouldn't you just squat with weight? (laughs) Just just, Just don't understand. Just the time and having to get the benches and then like yeah, you yeah. have to like put them in the right spot and then like knowing them, they've probably got to set their fucking camera angle perfectly. Mm. But then like <laughs> it's just like too much going on. It's not a totally useless exercise, but no. again, I tend to pre- – I've used it and I, I see that there's some value to it. But Charles, you're 100% right. You know, for the most part, it's barbell on back and – there are people in our industry who are like, oh, nobody should back squat. It's bad. Like, guys, no. I mean, I understand, like, Cressy Sports Performance don't use back squatting. But they're training because baseball they have, they're playing, they're training baseball players. Like, they, they just, hum, the position of their humorous, the, they, they probably don't want to be there. Sure. Anyway. They just need to stay healthy. That one makes sense. The front squat, that's fine. But, uh, yeah. Like, you see so many people doing so much shit. Like, fuck, one of the ones that drives me nuts, it's not a gym etiquette thing. It's just like, why the fuck are you wasting your time on this thing? is seated calf raises. You'll get some dude who'll go in there, plunk the gym bag down, they'll sit down there, and then they're sitting down for 15 minutes doing calf. And that is one of the most useless exercises in the gym. Because it doesn't pull at the pelvis, right? Like, it's just... Yeah, you're in a bent knee position, right? So you're not getting your gastroc uh, involved in that one. That That is a truly useless exercise. I told you. I told this question was for Andrew. It wasn't even <laughs> for you. <laughs> so, Charles, what are your biggest pet peeves, the yeah. shit that you see? Top three. Well, I just think like, well, top one of my top three, sometimes I'm not as fast as I wish I was and uh, I can't come up with these things on command. But one <laughs> thing that comes to mind is just there, for some reason, there's this weird trend for women where you're doing these like quasi plyometric kind of jumping around yeah. kind of um, like the, the, just to give you a visual, like where you stand on one side of a bench, you put your hands on the bench and you, you hop back and forth over the bench, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Or, or these like these like mini like kind of squat jump things yeah, with that, the leg kicks, or leg kicks, the or bands around their knees. So that's 
I train a lot of women and I think I do a good job with them. And so the whole women thing gets me kind of lit up sometimes. <laughs> so the whole jumping around thing freaks me out. And then the whole, there's another thing that, that I see a lot of women doing. I don't know if this comes from women or if it comes from guys, but where you kind of multitask, like instead of doing one exercise, you're actually doing kind of a, uh, Fuck. Yeah. like four exercises at once. So it's like kind of like a twisting lunge, overhead press, kind of, you know, I saw where, leg press, so bench one, press. One, one, one component of the exercise is dramatically overloaded and the other is dramatically underloaded. Yes. And like just too much complexity. Like where, where so you like get I that? never understood why like I don't know if I can articulate this, but you do like a, a step up and then at the top of the step up you kind of flex your back knee like against no resistance. You kinda of like kick up you follow what I mean? Yep, absolutely. Why would you do that? Like there's no resistance. Like it's just not that it hurts anything tremendously, but why I mean I just I just I just don't understand why people do that. Like well, the one that drives me bonkers, and it's you basically just sort of said it was, uh, you know, you get someone who does lunges and then curls, like you lunge, you do a curl. It's like, okay, you know what? If you really want to make that effective, make the lunges challenging because they're not going to be this way because you have to keep the weight light enough to be yeah. relevant for the curls. And I don't even think the curls are that fucking good. Then, okay, do the lunge, stand up, superset curls. You'll hammer both more effectively. But this lunge curl bullshit, I see it. And but where it's, did it's you find fine, that? Like, but it's where, just like, where do you read about that? like twist, twisting lunge curl overhead press. Yeah, the, um, Jesus. You know, standing on a BOSU with elastic tubing. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just, I just, I, 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 sometimes I feel like a curmudgeon when it comes to this stuff. I just do not understand what the, what the perceived benefit is. Well, I think that the jumping around stuff can be explained because, yeah, I think it just—it's just difficult, and it and it sucks, and so you just figure, okay, there must be benefit. But the the, the the you know the muscle building potential of drills like that is is almost nothing. You're not burning much in the way of calories. You're not working mobility. So I just I don't even know what you're doing. Well, a, a quote that I can't remember where the hell I saw this, but you see this sort of crap on Instagram all the time. You get uh, body weight lunges, body weight squats. These girls demonstrate that sometimes they're on BOSUs with legs and butts, clearly heavy squat, heavy deadlift built legs, telling you yeah. that you can build yeah. this sort of physique with body weight shit. And, and it, it's complete horseshit. Well, and it's not solely women, but like that's pretty much where you get like the Instagram model oh. stuff. And like, yeah, their legs are huge. Like, there's no way you built. You built no, that. No. You either injected your mom. No. no <laughs> Which is like, like totally I, true. I, that I, I can deadlift 500 pounds and I have no glutes. No. <laughs> so, so women have to work even harder than men. Like that's something that's lots on a lot of people. Like you, you know, you don't have the testosterone, you know, to, to, to support growth. So women have to actually be more hardcore than men. So they, they can least, they're the least, you know, uh, 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 able to, to kind of make those mistakes. Um, you, you've got to be super hardcore as a woman. You've got to do, you know, proven fundamentals. You've got to load up heavy. And, you know, I've got, I've got female clients in their seventies who can deadlift over a hundred pounds. Cool. So what are you doing like with body weight? Like it just doesn't make any sense. Well, I'm looking at pictures of you and you kind of look like me. We both deadlift heavy, but like we got no legs. So like you got to work. Like, don't tell me it's those stupid jumps and the leg kicks with the bands. Like, it's not doing that. Like, I want to know the real answer. No, no, no. no. So, yeah, so. But maybe maybe it's because yeah. we're not doing them. Maybe there is. <laughs> maybe we got to try it out yeah. for a year and see. Yeah, yeah, maybe the easier. Maybe we're going too hard. Maybe. That might go back to that whole first conversation. Damn it. We went all over the place with this one. This is fun. I guess to bring it back. I mean, anyone who's listening to this, I think, are probably fairly conscientious of gym etiquette. Um, I, I think it's just something to keep in mind. There, there's a lot of stuff that we probably take for granted. One that I'm actually quite guilty of uh, is I tend to take a lot of rest between sets. I move a little slower. I like lifting very, very heavy too. with yeah. good form. And I'll actually bring my iPad to the gym most of the time. And I'll actually be there. I'll be writing podcasts. I'll be yeah. writing various things or whatever. Maybe I'm messaging clients. And I know there's sort of an old school mentality that's really pissed off with the idea of like having phones on machines. And even I'll look at some. So glad. So glad you're bringing this up. Yeah, go. All right. Then yeah. Your thoughts. Well, I mean, when, when you finish a set, you should disconnect. Yeah. You should, you should leave the station and put your mind somewhere else for a couple of minutes. And what's better than like, you know, having a political, you know, argument with somebody on Facebook or, you know, <laughs> but, but like, 
yeah, there's there's this thing like, okay, why are you texting your friends between sets? Well, that's exactly what you should do. You should just you should disconnect and recover as fast as you can. And uh, so, and then when it's time to go, you, you go. You, you switch you, you switch that switch, and off you go. So, yeah, I'm exactly the same way. Well, there was a I don't know who the hell said it. I think it was one of my train. Anyways. Um, like you can go on your phone, just don't go on long enough to scroll through your whole feed. Yeah, you know what uh, I mean. Like you can check a few thing. things, just not your whole feed. And like everyone knows when you get caught in the loop of like you'll see something, you click on a link, and you go through the the web. Like go to like one or two links, and then like that's usually about a minute, minute and a half. But when you get caught up in looking at everyone's stories and all this stuff, you know when you're in the the, the hole. The one thing. Do you like, notice not not to cut you up, but no. do you notice like when you're training a beginner? And you do a set of bench presses, and then they'll just stay there on the bench. <laughs> they'll actually they'll stay lying down on the bench. I'm like, no, get up, get the fuck out of here for a minute. You know, come back to it. Like, disconnect yourself from this. Well, they're probably anxious doing that, and they probably end up like, yeah, they're feeling crushed. <laughs> um, I was I was gonna say the one thing that drives me fucking bonkers if you're in a gym and then some asshole gets on their phone talking loudly, and oh, yeah. you can hear their conversation. Like, the guys. You want to hear something funny? I used, I used to train at this uh, commercial gym here in Scottsdale doesn't matter which one <laughs> and there was this guy he, he's 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 I, i'll do i'll do a terrible job recreating this but he's on the phone and he's like got wireless earbuds in and it's like no i told you the margins are too high we've got to cut back on production and he's like having all this kind of discussion for like an hour and then i happen to be walking by him and he goes Okay, mom, I'll, I'll talk to you later. I'm doing a workout. He's talking to his mother. <laughs> I thought he was like I thought he was like on a corporate conference call or something, and uh, he was talking to his mother. It's hilarious. Just just to tie this all together, because I know like gym etiquette, and we're talking about how etiquette's etiquette, no matter what. I was at the movies once, and this is like this will tie it all together. A guy walks in late. So he walks in 10 minutes late, slams himself beside me, and he's like, oh, it's, do, you, do you know what movie this is? I just picked one and randomly showed up. Pulls out, <laughs> pulls out a vape, pulls out his vape. <laughs> oh, no. Takes it, blows a big smoke bubble into the air. Okay. Five minutes later, falls asleep. Wakes up because his cell phone cut, turns on. Picks up his cell phone, has a conversation. Takes a poot out of his vape, spills it. Drops his vape to the row below him. Puts his phone down. His other phone rings. Oh, he man. taps, he, talking to that phone, taps on the people in front of him to get his vape and then smokes again. Then he falls asleep after and starts snoring. You know what? As agreeable as I am, I would have roid rage big time on that. Like, I just, would, that would just kill me. It, 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 it did kill me, but it was so funny that it was happening. I'm like, I just have to take it. I'm like, there's people like this in the world. And like, there's people like that in the gym. It's That's, the same thing. They just, ha- they just don't even know. I have no agreeableness with that but, shit. Whatsoever. But I don't think he even had a clue. Like, <laughs> and that's where like clearly <laughs> not. Anyways, that, I don't yeah. know if that happened in Scottsdale. Happened in Edmonton. Well, you know, I think part of the part of the etiquette issue is that when you're outside the gym, the population density is not quite as tight. Yeah. So you're you're spared from people's breaches of etiquette a little bit, but when you're in a gym or a movie theater, and your there. example, the movie theater made me think of this, you're just kind of compressed in with people, and yeah. so people's indiscretions have more of an impact on you, and I think that has a lot to do with it. Yeah. So if you're listening to this, just don't be that. Person. Don't be a dick. Yeah. Like it's it's a pretty simple rule. It's like idiots will be idiots. It's like I don't discriminate against anyone, but like if you're being stupid or like in like you're doing shit like that, like it, you're just that person. Nothing. You're just dumb and a dick. Okay, we're, I'm glad we solved that. <laughs> it's like we just solved the problem. It made us all feel good. We were like, we we got our energy levels up a little bit. We we're kind of all clenched fists, and then now we can just relax. <laughs> it's off our chest. It's in the world. <laughs> I'm gonna move on to the next question, and we could go on to this for an hour. I know that this this one I love, and it popped up. Like I go through anytime I bring a guest on. Uh, I generally go through their social media feed and I look for some current things, stuff they've written. So I really love this. So uh, if anyone has really gotten into research, it's very, very clear at this point that nearly any weight and rep range works for muscle growth. Yep. If it's done yep. right. If it's lightweight, you got to take the reps really, really high. they got to feel terrible. Crazy yep. pumps on it. If you go very, very heavy and low repetition, that stuff can work. It can be very fatiguing. You have to take more rest breaks. But... We always had a traditional belief that 8 to 12 reps was the best for muscle growth. And yet that range is still the sweet spot for muscle. Would you explain why? Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think it totally is. And 
if 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 you like 10 to 15 or whatever, I'm fine with that too or whatever, but it's somewhere in that neighborhood. And the way to the easy way to determine the optimal rep um, you know, category for you would be if I told you you've got to do 10 really heavy sets, like all within one rep to failure, how many reps do you want to do in those 10 sets? And I don't think it's going to be two. And I don't think it's going to be 20. Uh, maybe this. I mean, I'm sure there are outliers. But for me, it's going to be 8 to 10, 8 to 12, possibly. Um, so but 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 the, the, the issue on here's the issue on both ends of the extremes with this. If um, if the weight is extremely heavy, like let's say you're doing 10 sets of one, because the weight is so heavy, you need to do many more warm-up sets, which takes time. And then you need to rest longer between warm-up and work sets, which takes more time. And you've got a lot of orthopedic stress. And <laughs> yep. not only orthopedic stress, but just psychic stress. Um, anybody who's squatted heavy can relate to the idea that even to me, even if I'm in a rack with the safeties in, there's just you just have an acute awareness that bad things could happen yeah, it's threatening. when you're squatting really heavy. Like it just bad things can happen. So there's a psychic stress that kind of I think takes a toll on long-term recovery. So those are the issues with going really heavy. Um, and then the issues with going really light are that on, on the plus side, you don't need much in the way of warm-ups, so that saves you some time. But the problem is, is that only the last one second, Charles, can you hear me? We've had you cut out a little bit there. You're doing, let's, let's say you're going to say the last five are the result producing reps. Yeah. I think who did a little infographic on this recently, James Krieger, maybe. Um, James. I think it was James. I think what he has great infographics on his uh, Instagram. If you haven't seen those, but, um, so the problem is, if you do a set of 20 and only the last five are result producing, you have to do 15 junk reps just to get yeah. to the point where you're getting somewhere. So it's just kind of a waste of time and it's uncomfortable. So in between those two extremes, like I think you have eight to 12 and uh, like, I think it's fun to go heavy personally, but just not all the time. And uh, I don't think it's fun ever to go high reps. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my friend John Russell has this, you know, his like goblet squat challenge. Yeah. 25. That the, that's the worst, most nasty fucking thing. I don't know. I just, I, I've come close. I've gotten 21 reps. This is body, it's it's body weight, right? Body weight uh, in dumbbell yeah, or half? Uh, it's half, half body yeah. weight. It's horrible. Yeah. So. Just a lot of time too. Like that's like, like we're talking like a minute probably. Yeah, I mean, 20 reps, three three seconds per rep. That's yeah. that's that's pretty horrible. On the other hand, if you don't think it's horrible and you think it's fun, then then it might be more relevant for you. But uh, yeah, so th that's where that eight to twelve thing comes from. When I think he talked about it in their podcast was just like you got to get to that point, and then you have like three or four mm -hmm. good reps. Because I think it was him and Brad or kind of went yep. on a rant about it. And it's at this point, like that was what that whole study was about. Mm -hmm. Essentially, his whole like research lately was kind of that's what's coming out. My, my approach to this when I'm working with anyone, especially and when I'm training myself and I'm uh, looking for muscle growth, because that's my primary goal, um, and a lot of clients like that too, is I tend to keep most of the work in that 8 to 12 rep range. Yeah. I will occasionally do some higher rep stuff, gets into 50 and 20, uh, for maybe lighter, more isolated movements, and that, that can actually be really, really good. And then you do some, some intense strength work, maybe in a three to five rep range in the low end for some of your big lifts, maybe for a set or two at the end sometimes. So I like moving around between the rep ranges, but for the most part, I do the bulk of the work in that eight to 12. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it, it just comes down to not majoring in minors. So in all of these discussions, this is not, um, you know, this is not super concrete. Like it's just a matter of doing, doing the most effective stuff most of the time. And uh, I saw I saw an interview recently with Dr. Mike Israetel. Yeah, he made a great point about like, don't let the search for optimization like kill off all your fun. Like, like you know. So in other words, if if something makes your training one percent more effective, but it makes you hate your training. <laughs> You know, it's just not worth the trade-off, probably. Well, so, and I was actually just talking about pretty much the same subject with Pat Davidson this morning. Was about like the more and more I learn, the more and more I circle back to the basics. But it's that 
different understanding of why the basics are good that I tend to go to them. And I think that that gets lost because everyone tries to find complex when really simple is theoretically complex, but it's the stuff you need to be doing. And like no one kind of yeah. gives the respect to the basics, which actually goes to our, our next question was essentially like, we talked about deadlifts and chin-ups and you kind of always circle back around to consistency and success, but the value of tried and true basics. So like, can you kind of talk on that even like just that basic understanding of what people and trainers should be doing? There's it's such a hard concept to sell because mm-hmm. just sexy. by definition, it's like basic is the antithesis of sexy. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's just the hardest thing to sell. One way I try to sell it is that, if you think about training and you think about the, how, you know, the strength and physique athletes of even the 60s and how well they did despite you know, limited knowledge of recovery and nutrition and drugs and everything, honestly, you can make a, a pretty bulletproof case for the idea that we've already learned most of what there is to learn. Yeah. So most of the discoveries and advancements, the significant ones anyway, have already been discovered. And there will be more. But uh, they are of less and less magnitude year by year by year. So, so we we already know most of what there is to know, and so, uh, I, so I try not to use the word basics. I try to use the word fundamentals, which I think is a little bit more palatable. I think uh, it, it still leaves me lacking a little bit. But yeah, I mean, we already know how to do this stuff. Like when I was in Santa Barbara. Uh, working for the ISSA, I used to know Tom Platts, and I, work, I watched Tom Platts train. And he was well into retirement, and he was a freak. Like, I still have not seen anybody like Tom, like, since then. Um, I mean, there are guys out there. There are guys like uh, Larry Wheels, and, yeah. you know, there, there's just there's crazy people out there. It's pretty fun. But, it's a great but way. <laughs> you know, the top guys of the 60s and 70s and 80s really could hold their own with, with most of the guys today, for sure. So it's just, we, this stuff has already been figured out. Like, so the question is, do you just want to do what works or do you just want to find ways to entertain yourself? Well, I think that that actually is a question most people don't answer. And I think that honestly, outside of not understanding what works, they do want to be entertained. People get bored a lot of the times. I think, think, you know what? That's a real thing. So if you like, we all like to think that we're rational, but it, it's a it's a good it's a good thing to admit to yourself that we're not rational. And sometimes we do things that are not rational just because we're bored or we think it's fun. And I mean, how, I don't know how how rational is it for me to deadlift four or five for ten at age fifty nine? Like <laughs> it's probably if I want to feel as good as possible when I'm eighty, like there might be more direct routes toward that. But I just think it's fun. I'm also of the attitude that I don't want to go into the ground as a well-preserved corpse. I'm okay with some scars and some wear and tear on my system as I get older as well, doing fun things. When I, I, in my former life, I was a martial arts instructor and competitor. And uh, we took a seminar one time. This guy's name is Bill Superfoot Wallace. Do you happen to know who that is? Nope, that doesn't ring a bell. Sorry. So this he's a PKA, uh, world uh, full-contact karate champion, and uh, he had just unbelievable kicking ability on his left leg. I mean, he could just, like, kick vertically into the air, even when he was, like, 40 years old, and just do slow-motion kicks. And and actually, he had a bad right knee, and he couldn't – he wasn't very good with his hands, so kind of all he had was a left leg and three kicks, (laughs) and nobody could get past it. It was amazing. But anyway, when I took the seminar – with him he was about 45 years old it was still pretty amazing but somebody asked him somebody had the nerve to ask him a question along the lines of um um you know he didn't say it this way but he just said he he was alluding to the fact that like um how can i phrase this they were just making reference to the fact that that he's older now and he can't do the stuff he used to be able to do and what's that feel like he said well uh, better to be a has-been than a never was. <laughs> so, like, take that. <laughs> Let's, um, one thing you mentioned when we talked before this too is you mentioned uh, having a quick chat about exercise selection and, uh, and training for muscle building. And that sort of ties you with a lot of stuff there. So did you want to elaborate uh, some thoughts on yeah, some of that? Yeah, I'd love to. 
And this goes back to the stuff we were talking about with how women train. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you think about it, being, being muscular and lean is 180 degrees counter to what evolution really wants for you. So, in other words, the evolutionary forces that created the body you live in right now, like, basically want you to be skinny fat. <laughs> yeah. And the Seems reason is because Mother Nature's goal for you is to survive a famine. That's yep. one of the biggest kind of uh, well, that's what the thing you know, is. Envi environmental threats that we are well you know, prepared for. Yep. Because back in the day, you know, whatever it was 10,000 years ago, that was like a significant, one of the most significant threats to reproducing your genes into the next generation. So Absolutely. now surviving a threat is no longer, surviving a famine is no longer a threat. It's quite the opposite, in fact, but you are still wired that way. Yeah. So in terms of in terms of muscle, I mean, muscle costs a lot of energy to to build. And then once it's built to maintain. So the more muscle you have, the more expensive it is in terms of calories just to exist. Yeah. And so if you're if you're if you're an organism that needs a lot of calories, you're not as well equipped to survive a famine. So that's why it's unusual to have a lot of muscle. And so. What that says to me in terms of training is that you need to train in a way that that overrules those impulses and basically is telling your homeostatic mechanisms that, you know, we need this muscle to survive. So when you think about it that way and you need to train in a manner that 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 tells your your body that you need more muscle to survive. So that means two things. It means you need to work hard, which we've already talked about. Yeah. And then it means you need to do exercises that are hard and sc sometimes scary. And I've made this, I've mentioned that four or five times 10, you know, a couple of times too many already. But <laughs> when you do something like that, that's like a fight or flight experience. Mm -hmm. uh, so in other words, if, if you've ever like almost gotten into a bad car accident and you thought you were going to die and then suddenly you're like, okay, fuck, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. That's kind of what it feels like to deadlift four or five for ten for me. Um, so you've got to, you've got to, you, you can't find those experiences doing tricep kickbacks and no. hopping back and forth over a bench and doing planks and doing walking lunges and you know all the other exercises that I think are stupid. Um, <laughs> so you need to do, you know, you need to do exercises that trigger homeostatic alarm. So what does that mean? It means all the stuff that's hardest to do. Uh, bench presses, deadlifts, squats, dips, pull-ups, heavy rows, you know, bent over rows, T-bar rows, um, maybe lunges if you do them heavy enough, um, but not walking lunges where you're doing these little itty-bitty range of motion lunges just because you're mostly focused about, uh, about getting over, across the floor, you know, and it doesn't mean doing the little sumo squat thing on two benches and, you know, whatever. So, so when we talk about exercises that stimulate homeostatic alarm, you're talking about exercises that are stable, first of all, because stable exercises allow relatively heavy loading and heavy loading over a relatively large range of motion. And uh, those are the kind of characteristics that, that make exercises effective. So can you, move a, can you relatively safely move a large load over a large range of motion in a way that does not hurt you. In other words, like if you have pain doing it, that's not a good exercise for you. <laughs> that's a battle. But, um, yeah. So, I mean, you, you can take this stuff too far, but um, you've got to find movements that are safe for you. Um, and then also are just extremely rigorous in terms of the factors that I just brought up. So well, that's the, it. So, and one... that's why, like, for example, I never do direct arm training with clients, with local clients. Not that I don't think you shouldn't do arm training, but they don't need me for that. No. You can do it on your own. And like face, if we have limited resources and these people have an hour with me and it's like, we're going to do pull-ups or curls, we're going to do pull-ups. And the, the one thing I always alluded to, I allude to is like, you need to go back a step in evolution in terms of how your brain is operating. Like you need to go with like full hindbrain to get there. And like most people don't know what that feels like. Cause when you can think through something, 
you're generally not working hard enough to get that adaptation. <laughs> Saying that the adaptation is the game muscle because like you need to fucking you need to be in a fight or flight mode, and most people don't know how to get there. Like they literally don't. Like they're just not working hard enough. And I know it's horrible to say, but like you fucking know. <laughs> I had a woman last week squatting, and as she's squatting, she's talking to me the whole time. Yeah. And she's a hard worker. I'm not putting her down at all. But as soon as she racked the bar, I put 20 more pounds on the bar. And I just told her, like, anytime you talk to me while you're squatting, you're going to get a weight increase. Because <laughs> I, I just know that there's more in you. So she kind of laughed. We've, uh, we've kept you for a little over an hour now, Charles. So we had a couple more questions for you. Uh, this oh, has no actually problem. been one of my true favorite uh, podcasts ever. This is good. I'm, I'm glad that we were able to get you out here. The thing we ask everyone is... Uh, I, I, I'm going to assume that you didn't get to where you are by avoiding reading books at all. So do you have a book that you love that you share with us? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> oh, did I lose you? I think I lost somebody there. Oh, you're good. You're uh, back. Got you. You're back. Oh, okay, there you go. I got Perfect. you now. Oh, I think I lost you again. Oh, you're there. We were just a little choppy for a moment. We'll get it. Okay, so you're saying you're saying I didn't get to where I got from by avoiding reading books. That's that's very true. Yeah. yeah. Matter, matter of fact, when I was a karate student back in the '70s, and I'm not a natural athlete, and I struggled and struggled and struggled, and I wasn't making the kind of progress that uh, a lot of my classmates were making, but I was nonetheless just obsessed with the activity. I used to actually I used to actually skip class in school. And go to the local college bookstore and read college level kinesiology textbooks, thinking that if I could if I could just understand anatomy maybe a little better, that somehow that would help me because I just couldn't think of anything else. So I'm kind of geeky that way. But man, where do you start with books? I mean, there's just so many subjects, but what's your so, favorite? Like what's well, what's the, the one book? Well, we mentioned Dr. Mike Isriatel and he has um scientific uh, principles of strength training. Yeah. And that to me is just, just absolutely, if you're a trainer or a coach or a strength athlete, it's just a must have. And it is a little bit sciencey, but, um, I think it's digestible. Yeah, it is. Uh, now there's something very along very much the same lines that is a little bit more digestible, maybe. And that is, uh, there are a couple of really nice books by Greg Knuckles. Mm -hmm. And he, it's like a two book, com uh, compendium it's the art and science of strength training and the science as you might guess is more sciencey and the art is a little bit more kind of practical uh but that's just so so good so good and those are very both of those books are within the last couple of years so those are really really good going back a few years um the vladimir zatsyorsky textbook uh, science and practice of strength training it's a little bit more academic a little bit more kind of textbookish but um very 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 good stuff um along the philosophy and kind of ethos of lifting if you know who marty gallagher is i've heard the name um so he's got a book called the purposeful primitive and boy that's just good stuff just like good evolution, stuff. Right that down. evolutionary stuff yeah just yeah. just it's just a primer on work ethic you know nice. and uh boy it's just so good so good and there's so much good stuff out there. I mean, I, you know, I like a lot of Mark Ripito's stuff. Um, I disagree with him on a lot of things also, but um, there's there's a lot to be gleaned from from his work. Uh, I love the work of Dan John. I love the work of Pavel Satsaline, um, just to name a few that are coming coming top of mind right at the moment. But there's so many people, and it's it's fun to be in this field right now because there's just so many smart people out there, and it's really a lot of fun. I love I love all the work from uh, Chad Wesley Smith. Also, really really good stuff. Um, Kate, with our closing, I guess uh, usually we ask, well, we always ask, where's the best place to find you? Social media, website, like how do they get a hold of what you have to give to this world? Oh, thank you. Um, well, I'm pretty active on Facebook, so I've got a personal. Facebook page under my name, just Charles Staley. And then I've got something called the um, Staley Strategies Online Coaching. So that's kind of where uh, I've got more of the professional stuff up there. Um, I'm also on Instagram. I'm on Twitter, but don't really use it much. But you can find me on Instagram under Staley Strategies. Um, and the website is staleystrategies.com. 
So between those, I think you can find me. Good. And then you, you also write for T Nation. And what other publications have you written for? I think bodybuilding.com, if I'm not mistaken. but maybe. I do a lot of work for bodybuilding.com, T Nation. Um, I'm, I just submitted a piece to Onnit, Onnit Academy. So that'll be coming out at some point. Uh, so those are the, the primary ones. Great. Charles, we really appreciate you coming on. This was actually, this was wonderful. Like I said, um, if anyone is, you know, a fan of yours and they're finding us for the first time, we mentioned a few names. You mentioned Greg Knuckles, James Krieger, and Mike Isertel. We've had all of them on. James has been on twice. Greg has been once. And uh, it, Mike Isertel has actually appeared on three of our podcasts. So they're just a He's few of the people now, yeah. we've had on. And if you guys want to check out more of what we've done, just scroll through and look for some of these people because there's some great episodes there. And for our, uh, our core audience who are finding Charles for the first time, Go check out his online work too. Go follow him on Facebook because I've enjoyed his work for a really long time. And there's just some really cool and really inspirational stuff. Just to get this, to actually watch Charles work out is really epically badass. And it makes you look, go, fuck, I'm not doing enough. <laughs> so uh, thanks, Charles, for coming on. We really appreciate your time. And uh, hopefully everybody enjoyed this one. Take care, guys. Thanks so much. It was much fun. Thank you. Great. Shut up and sit down.